Hey, welcome to the Project Church Podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. Man, love you guys. So good to see you all. My name is Caleb. If you're new here, so glad you're here. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we're in the middle of a series called Heart Check. And we are walking through and looking at what a heart of worship truly looks like. How many know worship is more than a song? Worship is not just what we do on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. for 27 minutes, 30 minutes. Actually, Romans chapter 12 tells us to let our lives be a spiritual act of worship. And so worship is actually what you do, what you say, how you live, how you act around your coworkers. When people are, are acting the fool and gossiping, how you respond to that. It's what you say when someone cuts you off in traffic. It's how you act when you're at the grocery store and the line is long. Worship is everything that we do. And yet we've relegated it so often to Sunday mornings for 29 minutes. And we say, oh, what a great time of worship. No, worship is predominantly what you do when you walk out these doors. Your life is a spiritual act of worship. And so today we're going to look at this series. We're going to continue this series. Chrissy kicked it off last week. And, uh, man, I'm thankful for my wife bringing the word. She talked about, yeah, give it up for Chrissy. Come on. She talked about conformity versus creativity. And today I want to talk to you about success versus sacrifice. Now, how many of you know the world has an interesting perspective of success? And I think that a lot of you in this room have felt hidden for too long. I think there's probably many of you in this room today that feel like you thought you would be further along by now. You thought you would have accomplished more by now. You felt hidden for so long and, and you were wondering why. And I think that this world has given us this perspective of what success is. And I'm guilty of it, of getting caught up in the world's definition of success, because I love the praise of man. I'm just being real with you. We all love the praise, the adoration, the accolades that man or, or, or woman brings to us. We like when people tell us we're amazing or we're gifted or we're talented or, or look at what you've accomplished. It is intoxicating. And yet... Often God keeps us hidden for a season for a reason. And I think that there's probably someone in here that needs to be reminded that anonymity is not a bad thing. That the season of hiddenness may be the exact season you need because God is developing your character in that season. Because if you had the success sooner, you wouldn't have been ready for it. And yet we want the success now because we are in a culture of now. I need it now. I want it now. Give it to me now. And I, I think we needed to be reminded today and in this place that God has called us to be a people of sacrifice, not success. 
You see, we've defined success by what the world says. But I believe that we need to redefine success. And we redefine it first by saying, no, we live sacrificially, and then the results are up to God. I leave the results in God's hands. Now, again, going back to this idea that some of you feel hidden, anonymity. How many of you know Jesus was anonymous for 30 years of his life? It was at the age of 30 when he finally came out into public ministry. And in three years, he changed the world. But there was 30 years of anonymity, 30 years of living in the tiny town of Nazareth where he worked with his father, uh, working on wood as a craftsman uh, uh, and, and on metals, and he was a nobody. And yet in that season, God was preparing the people around him, the world around him, the person within him. And so somebody here needed to hear that you may be in a season where you have not received or, or encountered the success that you thought you would have encountered by now. You're not as far along as you thought you would have been by now. But maybe God is doing something in you in this season. He's teaching you what a person of sacrifice looks like. I think that success is so difficult in this culture because we're actually asking the question so often. Like, I literally ask the question, like, is my life successful? And I think a lot of you are asking that question even now as I talk about it. Like, am I successful? Is my life successful? And what I found is that the more it matters, the harder it is to measure it. Like, the more it matters to me, the harder it is to measure it for me. You want to know why? Because as followers of Jesus, the kingdom of God is hard to measure. Like we measure things in metrics and numbers. And so churches even do this and, and we've done this. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, this impacted me as a, a young man in ministry starting up. We started a church. I was 31 years old. And we measure it by numbers. And so we started a church. We had six people when we started Project Church. And within four years, we had grown to 500. And I was obviously, like, grateful. But it was interesting because we got to 500. We were kind of stuck there for about a year. This was at about year four of our church. And at about year four, I started feeling really, like, frustrated internally and with myself. And I, and I would say I was, like, dealing with even, like, a little bit, like, depression at times. And I was talking to my wife about it. And I finally came to her and I said, you know, babe, I think, I think it's time for us to leave. She was like, what are you talking about? I said, you know, I, I think we've done all we can here. I knew I, I knew I could get it to this point, but I don't know how to get it any further. So I think we, just, we should just go. We should leave. We should move on. And my wife asked me, because how many of you know that the Holy Spirit in my life is also named Chrissy? And I don't know about y'all and how the Holy Spirit works for you. Like sometimes I hear the Holy Spirit, but often the Holy Spirit's name is Chrissy. And, and Chrissy was like, uh, is that something God's told you? Or is that something that you're just feeling? And I said, don't talk to me about God right now. Talk about my feelings. You see, 500 in some people's eyes was a success story. 
But in my eyes, it wasn't enough. Because I wanted more of the accolades and the praise of man. And I said, 500, I mean, that's nice and all. I mean, yeah, so what if we're in the top 3% of churches in America in size? You guys didn't know that, but we are. Who cares about that? Like, I want more. And it became about me. And became about what I wanted. And became about what my flesh desired. Why? Because the success of this world is about measurements and numbers. But the kingdom of God is not measured the same way. And my wife had to remind me and tell me, like, I I think we're just supposed to be faithful where we are. We're just supposed to be obedient right now where we are. And I'll tell you that in that season, God humbled me. And I had to recognize and realize, man, I was pushing not because God was leading me to push. I was wanting to leave not because God was telling me to go, but because it was easier to leave than to be faithful and stay. And some of you need to hear this because you've been in a marriage and you've been thinking, if I could just get another person. And let me tell you, I've seen people try this. And they get to that other person and the same thing happens again. And next thing you know, they're waiting for, oh, it's, in, it's another person. I just haven't found the right person. But let me tell you, it's the same situation and problems every time. Why? Because they're still there. And I want to tell you something. Oftentimes, what God is asking of us and the hardest thing to do is to stay. Stay where you are. Stay where God has planted you. Stay in this season of anonymity. Stay faithful even when you aren't seeing the fruit that you want to see or thought you would see. Because often God's working in ways we don't even realize. You see, the kingdom of God is measured differently. We don't know the long-term impact we're having. We don't know the fruit that's growing because the roots are going deep in this season. And some of you are in a season of roots going deeper and you're wanting to see the fruit on the branches. And God's saying, you, it's not time for the fruit yet. I need, this, I need the roots to go deep. You see, this is the reality of a culture that is obsessed with immediate success. And yet God is looking for a sacrificial people. A sacrificial people that will be faithful even when they don't see the fruit immediately. That will be obedient even when it seems crazy. That will do what doesn't make sense to your friends and your family. That will give when other people would say, why would you give? I want to look at Nehemiah chapter number one real quick and then I'm going to jump to chapter number four. I want to illustrate this idea of sacrifice versus success by looking at this story. Uh, Just to set some context, uh, the people of Israel, they've grown into a mighty nation. Obviously, they're in Egypt, and then Moses gets them out. They go into the promised land. They establish themselves. They conquer a bunch of the land and, and take out a lot of their enemies. And then they establish their city in Jerusalem. This is their their capital. They build a wall and a temple, and their nation has grown to to over two, three million people at this point. But they get pulled into the idol worship, the paganism of the cultures around them. They, they get drawn into child sacrifice and all kinds of wrong acts. And they forget about God. And so God says, I got to get their attention. 
So he sends a nation in Babylon to attack them. Babylon comes, attacks them, destroys the temple, tears down the walls of Jerusalem, and takes most of them into exile to Babylon. So we fast forward, and it's now been uh, about two generations of people that have grown up and been raised in Babylon. Babylon is all they, knew, all they know, and Nehemiah is one of those. But Nehemiah still has a heart for his homeland, still has a heart for his capital city. And he hears that there's still some people that weren't captured and taken because the Babylonians took the best of the best, but they less, left some of, of the rest behind. And he hears that those that have been left behind have, you know, continued to live and, and they've continued to grow in number. But he hears that the nation is still in ruins, the the Walls are still broken down. The city of Jerusalem is still essentially burning. And his heart goes out. So I want to read chapter 1, verse 3 through 4. He asks, what has happened? What has happened of those in Jerusalem? They said to me, the remnant there in the province who has survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. And so he goes to the king, Nehemiah, I'm not going to read it, but he goes to the king in Babylon and he says to him, will you let me go back to rebuild the walls of my homeland, of my, my nation, to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and help rebuild this city? And the king, by an act of God, says, yes, you should go back. And he goes back and now we're at chapter 4, verse number 15. They've begun to work, but the, the nations around them who had continued to attack those who were left behind in Israel, see that they're starting to rebuild the walls. And so they start sending little troops and battalions to attack and dissuade and stop the work that's being done. And so we pick it up in verse number 15. When our enemies had heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction, and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he was building. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me, and I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at that time, let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem that they may be a a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand. So what happens? This was a moment of sacrifice. A moment where Nehemiah gathered up the people and he charged the people and he challenged the people. He said, we have to rebuild our walls. We have to rebuild our city. And I feel like we're in a moment in our nation and even in the church where we're rebuilding our walls in a sense. We're rebuilding the 
the perspective that the world has towards the church. Or rebuilding the, the unity that we thought we had in this nation. Or rebuilding the relationships that during COVID many were devastated and destroyed. We're rebuilding our mental health and, and our health as a whole. I sense that we're in a, a season and a moment in the church when we're rebuilding. And we need a church that will rebuild with a sacrificial perspective, not a success-driven perspective, not an earthly success-driven perspective. And Nehemiah sets a great example for us, and I want to look at this to illustrate for us this idea as we contrast earthly success versus godly sacrifice. You see, earthly success is external, but godly sacrifice is internal. In verse number 17, we see that they worked with a tool in one hand and a sword in the other. How many of you know that in sports, you got to play offense and defense? You see, you need offense, but there's a saying that defense wins championships. And so Nehemiah knew this, and he said, all right, we're going to be attacked periodically because the nations around them were not having this. They didn't want Israel strong once again. They didn't want the people of God unified once again. And so they would periodically attack as they were rebuilding the wall. So they, they built with a sword in one hand and a tool in the other. And I was thinking about this because this idea of earthly success being external, internal, and godly sacrifice being internal it reminded me what the word of God tells me, which is I don't need the approval of man because I have already received the approval of God. And somebody needs to hear this today because you have been living your life for the approval of man. You have been making decisions in your life for the approval of man. And I want to tell you, look, that is an external thing. But when you have the approval of God, everyone else may not see it, everyone else may not understand it, but internally you know, I am God's child. I am chosen. I have a purpose. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. I know who I am and whose I am. That is the internal sacrifice. You see, we have an external definition of success, don't we? And we need to have an internal definition. What's the internal definition? The kingdom of God is within me. You know what culture says? It says the kingdom is out there. And so every commercial and everything you see on social media, they got me the other day, man. They got me with this ad for, for some golf joggers. And I've been, I've been wanting some golf joggers and they sent me an ad on Instagram. I said, external kingdom. And I bought it for $80. Crazy. My wife was like, what is this $80 purchase? I said, they got me with the Instagram ad. <laughs> That's the external kingdom. And so every ad you see, everything externally you see is going to try to get you to grab hold of that which is out there. Buy this and you're happy. Purchase this and you'll have joy. Get this toy and you'll feel good. Just do this, that, go to this place, and then everything will be great. 
It's a out there kingdom. But how many of you know we live differently? You see, the kingdom is in here. The kingdom of God is inside of me. Why? Because the Holy Spirit dwells within me. And so I'm not fulfilling any kind of lack in my life with that which is external because I already have everything I need internally through God. It's internal. Godly sacrifice is internal. Earthly success is external. The kingdom lives inside of you. So I want to illustrate this. I, uh, I need some help, so you want to come back up? He already did it once, so in the 9 a.m. So here's what I think we're doing. I think that we really want to experience this external success, and so we project this. Start picking up everything we're supposed to pick up. I, I got to have a perfect marriage. I don't know if you can read that. It says perfect marriage. Like, oh, man, I got to work on this perfect marriage. I need everybody to see how perfect my marriage is, so I'm going to post the perfect pictures of my perfect family. And look at this. It's perfect. Right, Chrissy? Our marriage is perfect. You all think so. <laughs> it's not. I mean... Then I'm going to fill my hands with busyness. Because if I'm busy, then they see I'm grinding. And if they see I'm grinding, they think I'm successful, right? So I'm, I'm busy, I'm grinding, I got the perfect marriage. Oh, man, the people are praising me already. And I go on, I got, I'm, I'm seeking after some fame in this life, right? Because that's what true success looks like It's when I'm famous. I'm glamorous. I want them all to see me. So, so I'm pursuing fame. I, it could be Instagram fame. It could be further than that fame. But I'm going after it because that's what success looks like. Then I'm going further. I, I, I need that money, right? If I'm rich, if I got that money, then let me tell you, honey, uh, they, they're going to know I'm successful. They're going to praise me. They're going to adore me. They're going to talk about me. Those people I grew up with that doubted me. I know you all have this perspective. You got a chip on your shoulder. I see you. All those people in high school that didn't list me as most likely to be successful, I'm going to prove them wrong. So I got money, fame, perfect marriage. I'm busy. Look at me go. But that's not enough. So, I mean, I got to be the boss, too. I'm the CEO. So check me out now. I'm the CEO. I'm rich. I'm getting famous. Uh, uh, I got all these things. Okay, can you grab the last one for me? What's this one say? Squad. Squad. I got friends. Y'all see how many friends I got? I'm squatted up. There goes one. Okay. Help me out. There we go. There we go. I, got, I need that little one too. Wait. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And then I got the self-help. Can you get this for me? Give me that one. Let me try to hold it too. I got the self-help. I am killing it. I read some books. And I am, I am the man. And so here's what we do. We walk through life and we're like, look how successful I am. I am the man. Caleb Cole. They see me. They praise me. They adore me. Like, look at this. This is the success that I've been looking for. But guess what happens? Then God says, hey, I want you to serve 
I want you to serve in your church because, you know, they're going to three services. They need 80 more people to sign up to serve to make this happen. And I'm like, I don't got the capacity for that. I'm trying to be successful. And they, God says, I want you to give something. I want you to love your kids better. I, I can't. I'm too busy. I got too much going on. How could I be a better husband and a better father when I'm trying to put on this facade of success? And then we walk through life, and God's asking us to do other things. And he's saying, hey, I need you to pick up some other things. I need you to lay down some things. But we're like, no, I can't. My hands are too full. And this is what I think a lot of us are living like with this external perspective of success. And we wonder why we're unhappy. And we wonder why no matter how much we get success according to this world's standards, that we still feel empty. And I want to tell you, because this is not what God has called you to. This is not how he's called you to live. And let me tell you, this is really uncomfortable. And my arm's getting tired. Good save. This is what I see. This is what I see. I look at the church. I look at this world. And I see a lot of people fixated on external success. On the world's definition, earthly success. And God is saying, I want you to be a people of godly sacrifice. We look at this story, and then when we look at earthly success versus godly sacrifice, I look at it and I also see that earthly success is about doing the job I want. But godly sacrifice is about doing the job God asks. And I want to tell you that sometimes the job I want is not the job that God is asking me to do. And I look at this story in verse number 17, and I, I was reading it, and it just struck me how there were some who worked holding a tool in one hand and, and a sword in the other, but then half the labor force, Nehemiah said, you're going to just stand guard out front of the wall. And I was thinking about this because this if it's me and, and Nehemiah has hit me up and said, hey, we got to rebuild the wall, I'm like, yo, let's do this. I want to be a part of rebuilding the wall. This is what they do, right? They like the brick, and they do the, the stuff in the middle, and they brick. You all know I'm super handy. And, uh, and they do this, and I'm picturing that he says, but you, half of you, you're going to go out, you're just going to stand guard. But how many you know when you're standing guard, you don't feel like you're doing much? When you're standing guard, when you're just a watchman and your hands aren't doing, you feel like, but, but my talents are going to waste. And I think there's a lot of people in the church that, that are gifted and talented and there's a job they want to do, but God is asking them and saying to them, but I want you to do this right now. And we go, God, 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 hold up a second. Like, that's cool, but no, no, you see what I have? You see what I carry? You see how gifted I am? 
And you just want me to stand guard? No, I'm supposed to, ma- I'm supposed to build some walls. And I wonder if God's people and the church is so focused on what we think our job should be that we're missing out on the blessing of walking in the purpose of the job that God has assigned to us. And I'm telling you, it may not be what you thought it was going to be. But if God's hand is on it, it will always be more fulfilling than if you decide on your own what you're supposed to be doing. And I found this in my life because there's been seasons of my life when I was arguing with God about what he should have me doing. But I chose the, the perspective of godly sacrifice and said, God, you know what? I'm your vessel, so use me how you will. And before you know it, I'm in a job that I was like, oh, my goodness, this was perfect for me. Oh, my goodness, I didn't even know I could do this. Oh, my goodness, that led to another job that led to another job. And before you know it, I see the dots connected. If I had fought God back then, I would not be right here in the perfect place for me. So are we earthly success-minded about doing the job I want, or are we godly sacrifice-minded about doing the job God asks. Third, earthly success is guaranteed. But godly sacrifice is about accepting God's will. You see, a lot of people, they feel like they're failing. They don't even recognize or realize the fruit they're bearing. You see, you may not see it. But if you're in God's will, then there's fruit being produced. You may not see it yet. You may not recognize it yet. But what the world does is it says, if you just do this thing, buy this purchase, take this step, then you'll be successful. Guaranteed. Advertisements tell us. Guaranteed. But when you live a life of godly sacrifice, you accept God's will. And how many know accepting God's will is often the hardest thing in our lives? Because God's will sometimes doesn't line up with my will. And my will is pretty strong. And my will is pretty stubborn. You guys feel me? And my will has already made its decisions. But God is saying, no, if you're going to be sacrificial, you're going to submit yourself to my will. Fruitfulness and faithfulness are very different. And so many of you, as I said earlier, You're in the season of obscurity, and I want to tell you it's not the enemy. You see, blessed is the man who does not need the approval of people because they've already received the approval of God. You see, when I walk and I choose to walk in God's will, I can have the perspective that I'm blessed whether you like me or not. When I choose to walk according to God's will, I have the perspective that I'm blessed whether they see it or not. Because how many know when you're obedient to God, you may go places or do things or step into new jobs or spheres in your life that people around you will not understand. And they'll actually see what is a blessing as a curse. 
And so you have to maintain the perspective that is fixated on God and says, look, I'm trusting his will. I'm trusting what he says. And so I'm blessed whether you see it or not, whether you like me or not, whether you like it or not. I'm walking in the blessing of God's will. There were many times along my life and journey when I knew I could have gone against God's will. I knew what he was asking me to do, being, calling me to be faithful for, like this church. And I'm telling you, if, if five years ago I had listened to my feelings and my will and said, this has gotten too hard, I feel stuck, I thought we'd be bigger by now, I'm going. We would not, and I would not have experienced the blessing of the season we're walking in right now. I would not have seen the miracles that we've seen along the way. I would not have been used by God in the ways that I believe God has used me. Now listen to me. God can still use you even when you mess up and make mistakes. And sometimes we go against his will, and that doesn't mean he's done with you. But I will tell you this. You may miss out on some things that you otherwise would have experienced. And so I can say and stand here that, that, that honestly, four years ago, Thankfully, five years ago, I chose faithfulness and obedience over what was easy. Because it would have been easier to walk away and try something new and start something new and be a part of something else. But we chose faithfulness and now we're walking in the fruitfulness of that faithfulness that we've walked out these last five years. You see, in the world... Earthly success is guaranteed, but godly sacrifice is about accepting his will. Fourth, earthly success is about what I can get for me. But godly sacrifice is about what I can give for him. So what happens in verse number 19? Nehemiah says to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. He challenges them. And he says, listen, this can't be about you. This can't be about what I can get for me. It has to be about what I can give for him. It says that he called them to show up when there was a need. He said, when the trumpet blows... I need you all to come running to that spot on the wall because we're under attack. And this is a reminder for the church because I think that we're in a moment when there's a lot of trumpets blowing because there's a spot on the wall in the body that's under attack. And what I found is when there's a lot of trumpets blowing, it's very easy to tune out the noise. Listen to me. When there's a lot of needs and hurts and desperation and pain, it's very easy to, to just turn off the noise and be desensitized to it and say, no, I'm just going to do me. The nation of Haiti is hurting. The nation of Afghanistan is hurting. There's people in this church, Sam and Carly's baby is hurting. 
We have a board member whose wife, Julie, is still in ICU right now in Hawaii. And, and they're still praying and we're still believing that she will come out of that. She has pneumonia and her lungs are filled with fluid. They're hurting. I just want to tell you, sometimes in this season that we've walked through the last year and a half plus, there's been so many trumpets sounding that I had moments where I just tuned it out. I said, I, I can't worry about all this anymore. I can't deal with all this anymore. I'm not saying you don't care of yourself. Take care of yourself mentally. Take care of your mental health. But I am saying this. The church, when the trumpets blow, we show up. And we may not know how else to show up, but we can always show up on our knees. We can always show up on our knees in prayer. We can always show up by just sending some love and encouragement and joy and hope. We can always show up by giving. But you know what I sense is a, a moment. The walls are being attacked and the trumpets are sounding and we're just putting in some earplugs because it's just too much. And I want to just challenge us because this is something God's been challenging me with. That I'd say, God, it is too much. But thankfully, nothing is too great for you. And I'm just going to do and bring the little I have. Listen, we can't save Afghanistan. We can't intercede in Haiti with all the needs there. We can't heal baby Maverick or touch Julie. But you know what we can do? We can pray to a God that can touch Afghanistan and save that nation. We can pray to a God that can intervene in Haiti. We can pray to a God that can heal Maverick right now in his hospital bed. We can pray to a God who can touch Julie and empty her lungs of liquid at this very moment and remove pneumonia and she gets up out of that ICU. We serve a God that can do all the things that we could never do. And so we must stop desensitizing ourselves and numbing ourselves to the pain and the hurt around us and we have to do what only the church can do and the church can pray and the church can love. I just sense that there's a, there's a seriousness in this room. And you all know, Caleb isn't serious that much. Because I felt the weight of the truth of this message. Because when God calls us to sacrifice, how many know it's not easy? And we have to be willing to sacrifice what we have and the little that we can do for a world that's hurting and desperate. You see, the last part of this, and if the keys would come back, I'm going to close right now. Earthly success gives the bare minimum, but godly sacrifice goes above and beyond. Verse 21 through 23 says, they labored at the work. Half of them had spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. He said, let every man and servant pass the night within Jerusalem that they may be a guard for us by night and labor by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand. Here's what I'm challenging you with. 
First of all, I read the last part. I'm like, snap. They were stinky. They were so committed, they weren't even changing. They were so committed, he said they stood from the dawn till the, till the stars came out. They were so committed, he said, I need you to guard the city by night and work by day. What is the challenge here? That there are seasons of stretching and God is asking us to stretch ourselves. I believe we're in a season and a moment of stretching. This nation is in a season of stretching. This church is in a season of stretching. And we have to decide, are we going to just chill and stay comfortable? Or are we going to stretch ourselves? And that's an individual decision that every person has to make. Will I stretch myself in my giving? Will I stretch myself in my serving? Will I stretch myself in prayer? Will I stretch myself in commitment to God's word? Will I stretch myself in loving my neighbor? Will I stretch myself in in serving this community and this city? Will I stretch myself? You see, Nehemiah called them in a season of great need where the walls were torn down to be a people that would stretch themselves further than they'd ever stretched. And I I said it at the beginning, I believe we're in a season and a moment where the walls have been torn down in this nation, in the church, and God is looking for a, a people, a remnant, those that are still standing in their faith, that they would say, in a season of need, I will stretch myself to serve. In a season of need, I will bring what I have and give it to you. Because here's what I saw, right? I tried to carry all these balls. This is what we're doing for earthly success. But some of you are like me, and you're hearing me say this, and you're like, Caleb, I really don't have much to give. I really don't have much to bring. You see, that's what earthly success looks like. All that in your hands, juggling it is too much. But you know what Jesus said? This is what Jesus said. He said, my yoke is easy. He said, my burden is light. So when I call you to a season of stretching, I'm also calling you to trust in the one who can make what seems like it would be difficult and painful easy. And here's how. Because while earthly success looks like that, All that, godly sacrifice looks like this. I say, it's not much. It's not much, God. I'm not the most talented. I'm not the most gifted. I don't have the most money. I haven't done a whole lot in my life or with my life. I haven't succeeded by earthly standards. I thought I'd be further along by now. God, honestly. But here it is. And I'm bringing it. Here it is and I'm bringing it. I wanted to tell you that that the godly sacrifice is easier than you think. 
because all it is is bringing the little that you have with an open hand and saying, God, take it and use it. And I want to tell you, when God touches your little, he can turn it into something great. When God touches the small sacrifice that you bring, he can take it and move mountains. That's what the word of God tells us. That with faith the size of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. And so my challenge to you today is that you would say, I'm willing to be a person of godly sacrifice. And that means I'm bringing the little I have. Let me tell you, this is a lot easier than that. I mean, look how easy this is. Look at me go. Oh, my goodness. This is a lot easier than if I was trying to juggle all this again. And so may we be a people that lay this down. I'm done with the world's vision and perspective of success. And I'm picking up a life of godly sacrifice. I bring the little I have and I do it with joy and I do it with ease because I'm not bringing it in and of myself. I'm bringing it with a God, a Holy Spirit that's all over it, that's in it, that's upon it, and it's going to take it and use it for his purposes and his glory and his will. So God, here it is. I give it to you. Godly sacrifice, church. It's easier than you think it is. It's open hands. It's obedience. And it's faithfulness. Would you bow your heads with me across this room? You're in this room and maybe you say, Caleb, like, this has been great, but honestly, I don't even know this Jesus you're talking about. When I say sacrifice, you know what we think about in the church? We think about the gospel. You see, the good news is that Jesus came as the atoning sacrifice for your sins. That because of your sin, you were separated from a perfect God. But Jesus came and said, I'll be the sacrifice. I'll die on a cross. I'll shed my blood. I'll let my body be broken and beaten. Because then all their sin will come upon me. And then they'll be able to step into the presence of a perfect God. And so you're in this room, and before you learn to sacrifice, you have to accept the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. If that's you, you need to give your life to Jesus for the first time, the perfect sacrifice. You need to rededicate yourself to Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. You've been running from God for too long, and today's your day to come back into right standing with him. I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three, go. Put your hand up if that's you. Yes, yes. Hands going up. Yes, yes. Come on, yes, yes. Come on, church. Give God some praise for these hands that have been lifted. You can put them down. I want you to pray this prayer. Jesus, everybody in here, say it with me. Jesus, I accept you as the sacrifice for my sins. Thank you for taking my place, for bridging the gap. So I could come into right relationship with a loving God. Jesus, you are my Savior, and I give my life 
wholeheartedly to you. In your name, amen. Come on, give God some praise one more time, church. This is the best decision you could ever make. The angels in heaven are rejoicing. Can we stand to our feet? Here's what I want to do. As we sing this song, I want to pray a prayer over you. Our prayer team is making the way forward. As we sing, if you need prayer for anything, if you raise your hand to receive Jesus, we'd love to pray over you. We actually have boxes for those that gave their life to Jesus with books and Bibles in them to help you further your faith journey. But as I pray, if you are in this place and you say, Caleb, I've been living my life way too focused on earthly success. And today I'm deciding to shift my perspective to one of godly sacrifice. If that's you, as I start to pray, I want you to lift your hand as an act of saying, God, I'm choosing godly sacrifice over earthly success. Come on, if that's you, lift your hand. Lord, I pray over this church. God, so many hands going up. Lord, there's nothing wrong with success, but may our focus be a godly sacrifice, that we bring what we have. God, we will rejoice in the success, but we aren't living this life on this world for the praise of man, for earthly success that is temporary and fleeting. God, we're living for a God that sacrificed it all, so how could we not sacrifice as well? Lord, may we shift our perspective. May we live a life and a heart of godly sacrifice in your name. Amen. Come on, lift your voices with us, church, right now. Let's sing this right now before we... Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church Podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.